So we're doing this thing again. Yeah. Who are you? I'm Corey. I get to host the Corey Truax Show for a little while longer on his radio talk. It's going away, man. It I is. I don't know if you know this thing about radio. People used to listen to it, but it's going away. I've heard of such things. The podcast is going to stick around. I also get to be part of the elder team at Beachwood Church. You're not maybe you're not an elder, but you are. Oh, and the microphones are falling. Literally, a microphone stand falling off the table. I apparently, did not attach this very well. So while you attach it, here's the part I will say of him. He's the excellent host of the Westminster Doxology Podcast, the, the president and CEO of where you should go uh, of West of Westminster Effects. We should go buy stuff for your guitar, all you music, musicians. But I think the the thing you do in life that brings us to this conversation is you're a, a deacon in a church. Like you you think about yeah. these things like I do. Like we got to have conversations with other Christians about how we think about the world. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, but so one Christian. So we should be thinking about these things because we are Christians in the world. So how do we act as Christians in the world? Right. Uh, then a Christian who owns a business in the world. Yeah. So how do I own a business in the world as a Christian? And then how do I serve God's church? As, obviously, as a Christian, because you yeah. can't do that uh, unless it's from the outside, like being a plumber. <laughs> yes. In God's church, right? Yeah. Like uh, we can hire a uh, an unbelieving plumber, but. And he'll serve us that way, but in terms of internally, you know, we're not. <laughs> this isn't the topic of what we're yeah. of what we're talking about today. But you know, we are not about to have unbelievers leading worship for us because they're God's enemies, and that would probably go poorly for literally everyone. Yes, because they are not capable of worship, mm-hmm. at least of the Triune God. The first iteration of this that we did. I think established at least this. We have come to a level of comfort with pursuing a Christianized world. Yep. Now, what that looks like for everybody might be a little different because that's still uncomfortable for some people. But I think mm-hmm. we are saying we, we do think Jesus is king over everything and that if Christians around the world do their thing, we're going to make more Christians. Exactly. And which means like the, the, William Wilber, the William Wilberforces of history will happen over and over again. That and not just that that's government, but that when CEOs and board members start to become Christians, how do their businesses run? Yeah. When principals and superintendents of schools start to become Christians, how are their schools run? Mm-hmm. When the uh, the presidents of Hollywood stu- uh, studios in Hollywood and the music producers in Nashville, when they become Christians, how will music run? Mm-hmm. How will the arts run? And so we we have probably different a lot of different people listening might have different ways you get there, but we have decided yes. We should pursue Christian things. Yeah. And I've been listening to the audio version of The Peacemaker. Have you heard of this book? No. It's about Reagan and his foreign policy. Oh. It is fascinating. One of the best foreign policies we, uh, the United States ever pursued. Right. And, and so it, the author is a Christian, and so he's more sympathetic to Reagan's Christian views. Sure. So Reagan acting as a Christian and trying to navigate the jacked-up world of the Cold War. Mm. And do I support uh, these right-wing authoritarians over Mm. these communist rebels, or do I stay out of it, or anything like that? And so there's obviously the ideal that he was chasing of of winning the Cold War that nobody thought was possible at the time. And so he's he's trying to win the Cold War, but he's also trying to navigate up until winning the Cold War, the in-between part. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. Is, Good analogy. Yeah. That, how do you like that segue? I do. <laughs> it, it's, we have these ideals. These are things that we think would be the Christian way to run a society, uh, run a Christian polis or whatever but there's also the in-between, because right now, particularly in the United States, it is not Christian. Right. It, it is very secular. And you have um, Wilson, Doug Wilson mentioned on a blog, we have uh, godless leftists and people trying to win them to Christless conservatism. So good. Yeah. And that's not going to be any better. Yeah. It's really just going to get just as bad, if not worse. In a different way, and because we did that for let's let's go with four to seven decades, somewhere between forty and seventy years, as we've been trying to win people win people to a officially, sure, yes, <clears throat> yeah, uh, that's a good point because that the strands go back deeper. Yeah, 
or strains, as we've done that for those decades, however many it is, try to win people to a Christless conservatism, mm-hmm. the, the cascading effects of losing and secular progressive leftism being triumphant is a crumbling country. Right. Crumbling families, crumb, crumbling morality, more depression and anxiety, higher... Not, well, there was actually pretty good progress on crime. But it, what we see is largely misery, even as we become more opulent. I mean, I thought I, I on my podcast uh, last episode, a young man who was bemoaning that it takes 40 hours a week to earn enough money to get what he needs. Yeah, I, I got a little chuckle out of that. I mean... I mean, we used to work 100 hours a week just to eat, drink, and have some shelter, man. Yeah. Our lives are awesome. I probably don't work 40 hours a week, and my life's awesome. You know, I'm well taken care of. And so even as our economic opulence got better, families, cultures, the, the mind has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to win them to a crisis conservative, conservatism. It ruined. It's wrecked us. Mm-hmm. And so if we are going to get to what would be thriving and good for humans, because we love humans. We pursue Christ and his kingdom, and what you and I have been trying to do is figure out, hey, what's that look like in all the different uh, all the different categories of life? Yeah, which is a lot of things. Yeah. It, it really and truly is a lot of things. It's, you know, I we would absolutely repudiate and call heretics the members of the New Apostolic Reformation. Yes. Uh, and and we would repudiate the seven mountain mandate of taking things over from the top. I think we talked about this a little bit in the first episode. We did, but it does give a general framework. Yes, good in, categories in terms of you know education and business and church and blah blah blah. Media entertainment. Yeah, um, not terrible framework to work from. It wasn't actually theirs. That, they co-opted that from... Oh, good. That makes me feel better. Oh, yeah. They stole that. That's long-standing... Um, what's, that, what's that field called? Anthropology. In the field yeah, yeah, of yeah. anthropology, those are the categories that make up a people group. Good. And so then they just co-opted the new, new apostolic people and said, well, then if those are what make up a people group, mm-hmm. this, we're going to call that the seven mountains of triumph. So we're just being post-millennial anthropologists. Ooh. You've had two gems. <laughs> two already. We've only been going we're, for like 10 minutes. We're seven and a half minutes in. And I've recovered extremely well from dropping the microphone. <laughs> I forgot it happened because of those two gyms. So uh, we have decided we're going to pursue a Christian world. I think we came in today both with a couple categories. Yes. So what that might look like in the criminal justice system mm-hmm. and one that sounds more lefty, economic justice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, of the ones that we talked about before we turned the mics on, which would you like to tackle first? I think the criminal justice one feeds into the economic justice. Probably so. Uh, so let's start there. Um, man, there's so much. There's so much that we could start with. Uh, I, th- I think it is worth noting that when God was about to uh, introduce the people of Israel to the promised land and actually give them that land and he gives them the law, he says hey, don't do these things because the land is about to vomit out these people groups because they're doing those same things. Right. And so the law wasn't simply for Israel. Mm-hmm. Here's what justice looks like for Israel. It was, I'm kicking these people out because they are, you know, however you want to put it, spitting in the face of God, yeah. double birds, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or whatever, Um but then also he tells Israel, if you do these things, everyone's going to look at you and say, wow, that is a just society. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. So that's kind of our presupposition here is we're starting with that. And so well, what do we get uh, in our current society that's a good thing from Scripture? We get things like the presumption of innocence. Yes. You get things like... Uh, the standard of having two or three independent lines of witness and testimony. Uh, And in, in scripture, it's not simply you have to have two or three different people. Uh, They would often set up uh, a cairn, an altar and say, this is a witness between us. So something like a contract or, um, you know, in a murder case, maybe blood splatter 
something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's DNA. That's a witness against this person. Um, so you have the presumption of innocence. You have uh, the standard of witness and testimony. And then you have uh, things like punishments for false accusations, yeah. which we've really watered down. <laughs> but we have carried that over somewhat. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can riff on any of those, all of those. Uh, we can rip on riff on different things or whatever. Well, so. I think just the, the western, the western way of of justice, of criminal justice, doesn't often know that it's indebted so much to the law. That's true. And we need witnesses to convict that you are going to be presumed innocent. This is not necessarily the system in Eastern cultures. It's not necessarily yep. been the case in pre-Bible, pre. Uh, places before the Torah comes in, mm -hmm. it's not always been the case. We get a we have a good thing called the criminal justice system, largely built on some Bible. But as we have strayed from Christian from biblical worldview, I think we've come to. I mean, for me, it's often the what happens at con, after conviction. Mm -hmm. I, I, I look at the law, and I just. I mean, for, for it's uncomfortable now, but there's a, a good bit of stuff that ends in stoning. Yeah. You know? There's, mm -hmm. a, there's stuff that ends in physical, call it corporal, corporal mm -hmm. punishment. Yep. We, the, or even labor. Yep. We, we often just, I don't know if we ever see, uh, your punishment is we're going to put you in a room. Mm -hmm. and we're put, you, or even more so, a cage. We're going to put you in a cage. Yeah. We'll feed you. Uh, like an animal, but we're just gonna put you in a cage, and uh, you, you'll so you'll there's never restitution. Uh, you can never contribute to your to your people group again. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's where I start to struggle. The prison system is obviously now centuries old, mm -hmm. but that's I mean we have uh, in the United States at least the highest level of incarceration in the world. Yep, the percentage of our people group that are sitting behind bars somewhere. And so in a Bible-informed world, what does it actually look like? <laughs> what, what is the punishment <clears throat> for stealing something? This is when we are going to be accused of both being horrifically conservative and horrifically liberal in the same <laughs> at breath. The same time. <laughs> <laughs> Not just at the same time, literally in the same breath. Yeah. Uh, because you see, uh, the, the best way that I've heard it described is justice, according to the law, is restorative justice. It's interested in restoring the victim as yeah. much as possible. And so then when you have something that mars the imago Dei, the image of God on someone, so much, so things like murder, kidnapping, and sexual assault, yeah. things of that nature, that's when you say, no, we're not putting up with this, and we're not putting up with you. Yes, we're anymore. Doing it. Yes, and and it, that even goes, especially for murder, that goes to Genesis nine. Mm -hmm. So that was even pre Moses. So that was God talking to literally the only people on the planet at the time, no. <laughs> saying if if somebody offs somebody, yeah, then here's the penalty for that, which is death. Yes, it's it's life for life. I've I've been chewing on the the argument because uh, about the death penalty for. For my whole life, mm -hmm. largely because I, I came to the conclusion my the criminal justice system in which I live is incompetent, and I generally find the government to be incompetent, and I therefore don't want to give the power of death to incompetence. Mm -hmm. That's where I landed for a long time. At the sure. same time, I look at I'm, I'm going to conform my worldview to my Bible, and my Bible does not call uh, death penalty immoral, and it does right. it gives the power of life and death to governments. So as I interact with some of those arguments, I, I had to dwell on the the argument folks give that well, death penalty is not a deterrent to, to murder. And I, while the data might suggest that might be true, I wonder if that's because of how we carry it out. It's carried out 40 years really after point. conviction. If we actually carried out the death penalty with swiftness, mm -hmm. and especially back in the day when it was public, right. That is a deterrent. Now, we obviously still making room for an appeals process and, and stuff like that because there can be actual injustice in, in a guilty conviction. Brother, I mean, I'm, I'm so into the Innocence Project. I'm so into mm -hmm. these. I, I can't, they're, not, they're not ministries. What but. was that podcast uh, about the local guy? Um, murder, etc.? 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. Uh, yeah. Really interesting podcast. Totally wrong. Worth, worth your listen. There are wrong, wrong convictions, and we need to. Let's. I'm even fine by saying, the standard for a death penalty case needs to be incredibly high. Yeah. Because governments can make mistakes. Right. And and one thing that a lot of people miss, particularly uh, those of a more secular mindset, is that scriptural justice, biblical justice. Um, has such high standards for everything because no one escapes justice. Right. Just because they die and were never convicted doesn't mean that there's no justice for that. That just means that they have to face God's justice without having already faced uh, human justice, which is scarier. That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. So I, 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 I understand there's these argument against the death penalty. It's been kind of part of American culture now to see it as cruel, but I don't want to think like an American. Right. I want to think like a Christian. Right. My my God instituted death penalties for crimes that weren't even just murders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I mean who, who wants to argue that we shouldn't, if we absolutely for sure, because now DNA evidence makes this even easier, if we want to argue for sure that man raped that woman, why is that man alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, we, we catch somebody who is a serial abuser of women and a rapist of women. Why, why, why are we keeping him alive? Yeah. Why, why do I have to pay for him to stay alive? And, and why not put him on display? I don't, mean, I don't mean public executions, by the way. I mean the fact that he is killed, the, the, the news that he is dead on display, to say to other men that might victimize women, we will do this to you. Mm-hmm. Stop behaving in these ways. There's risk to this. Because right now, here's what a rapist knows. So what's going to happen if you convict me? You're going to put me away? For 30 mm-hmm. years, you're going to feed me? Mm-hmm. I get to work out and watch the cable? That's what yep. you're going to do to me? Okay. Well, no, no, how, about, how about I put the literal fear of God in you? Yep. That if you do this and you yep. are convicted, you, your time on earth is done. I, the, that feels like justice. Yeah, and, and even, I know you said not bringing up executions, but, I mean, if we're going to execute somebody and it's meant to be a deterrent, then... Maybe it should be more public. This is we have shielded ourselves from death in the Western world so much. Uh, even our funerals, uh, we call them celebrations of life. And I'm not denigrating every yes. single person who's ever called it that by any stretch of the imagination. But we want to run from death and pretend it doesn't exist. And so, seeing anyone die on TV is like actually die, not in the movies or yeah. something like that, or. Uh, or whatever episode of Law and Order you're watching, um, it's it's a true rarity to actually yeah. see that. And disturbing, as it yeah. as it should and it be. should be. So it shocks you to what what yes. got them there? Because I don't want to do what got them there. You know, I know this is hard on American sensibilities, but again, I got to ask whoever's listening: don't think like an American. the the act of ex- the acts of executing was communal. Right. We're coming together as a community, mm-hmm. and it's a stoning. And then as, as time goes by, as a community, we're coming together for this hanging. Mm-hmm. As we, we are all doing this together right? as a testament to the image of God on, on the person who was harmed, mm-hmm. and as a testament to what will happen to you if you harm the image of God on someone else. And I think you, you noting you know, in Scripture it was stoning, and then you have, hanging later on, that's general equity. That's kind of what we're talking about here, is it doesn't have to be stoning, it doesn't have to be whatever. We would uh, repudiate any form of torture. Absolutely. Uh, Death by a thousand cuts, for example, um, or anything grotesque like that. Uh, Even crucifixion. Yes. Which we benefit from greatly. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Uh, Maybe understatement of the podcast today. (laughs) But, but, you know, whether it's uh, stoning or hanging or you come up with something else, um, yes, the stoning will hurt. Uh, the hanging may hurt, but it's also done relatively quickly. It's not something that lingers for hours and hours or, e- or even like half an hour or something like that. It's basically never like it is in the movies. Yeah. If you don't want to know how hanging works, don't YouTube it. But what they did to Saddam Hussein in Iraq, that was hanging. Yes. He was dead instantaneously and gruesomely. Yes, when, exactly. When they hung him. He doesn't, 
He doesn't hang there for a while like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean so that someone can shoot an arrow under his feet and he can jump off of it. Right. It's not that kind of process. It's, right. uh, it's terrible. If, if you do it right, it's instantaneous. Right. I would also say this uh, real quick for folks who are going, are you guys serious talking about, you, you want to televise executions? <laughs> Listen, hold on a second. I didn't, when did I say that? Maybe. The, my, my point here being, a, a people group over, I'm just making up a time period, becomes more Christianized over 200 years. In year 100, are you even doing public executions? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But by year 200, you might be. It, it would still be more wholesome than what is on C-SPAN most of the time. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is part of, actually, one of, one of the ones I want to, another one on criminal justice I want to come to. I have to give, at least, at least I think I have to. I can be argued against this. I think grace has to be granted to a people group Mm-hmm. Whose culture has seared their consciences. Mm, that's a. And so yeah. I've heard. I mean, I, I I live in a culture that tells me, or is has demonstrated to me, committing these types of crime, murder and rape, won't won't end in death. Mm-hmm. And I've shielded a people group from seeing death, to just turn a switch. All right, guys, we're we're gonna watch a lot of rapists die now. Can't do it that fast, right? No. This is the second one I want. I wanted to get to one of the big debates in Southern Baptist world last year was: Do we want to execute women who have abortions? Mm-hmm. And I, I, that resolution that came up failed. I mean, I, there's not a lot of support for it. And again, it's one of those things where in this world, for a woman who came up in this world who were who was told abortion's not even killing; it's a moral good. Mm-hmm. It's all about your freedom and autonomy. The idea that I would want to say to a woman right now in 2023 who had an abortion last year, you should be executed. I couldn't say that. Hmm. Maybe, maybe some of you could. I it, couldn't say to that woman. In the ideal. In, in, the, in, the, in the world that, that God made, if you kill an infant in the womb, mm-hmm. if, you kill, if you kill an unborn baby, you, you will be executed. Right. I'm trying to give the, the recognition that for now literally uh, almost 73, so 50 years, for 50 years, every woman who was born was told abortion is not really, a, it's not even a big deal. Mm-hmm. Your culture seared your conscience. Hmm. And while you are accountable for the death of a child, I can't in good conscience then say, we should de- you should definitely be executed. Just immediately right now kind yeah, of thing. You can't. Sure. But over time, and you start building an ethic of life. Right. You, you have been hearing in your culture for years that that which is in the womb, is human, mm-hmm. and you still do it? Yeah. Sure, maybe you get there at some point, but we're not close right now. In, right. In my, that's my take. Right. Uh, I think a lot of the debate comes from, you know, if we're going to outlaw abortion, which we are absolutely for. Amen. Uh, even saying, yes, right now we are going to outlaw abortion yeah. totally. Um, there are parties who say that the woman is never guilty, who, that she is always a victim. Always a victim. Uh, which isn't true. That is simply not true. You watch some TikTok videos. Hashtag shout your abortion. Yeah. Right. They're not victims. They are victims in the sense of the fact that they've been sold a bill of goods. Yeah. Sure. But in terms of actually perpetrating that sin and crime, Mm -hmm. no, they're not. Now, there are women who absolutely are victims who are coerced by abusive boyfriends and husbands, or maybe they're lied to by a doctor who says... This, uh, maybe the doctor says you've had a miscarriage and, you know, I'm just inventing some messed up situation. Uh, the doctor says because he just loves abortion that much, or he, he's for population control or something like that. Uh, you've miscarried this baby. We need to do a DNC. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she's devastated. She unknowingly goes through with the DNC to remove what she thinks is her deceased baby. Yes, she's a yeah. victim. There's, we wouldn't hold her accountable at all. Always important to know, not all abortions are created equal. Yes. I mean, the... Just like all killing, all homicide yeah. is not created equal. There's self-defense. There's you know what we were talking about earlier with capital murder. Those are two entirely different things. Yes. I think it's a good distinction to make because there are plenty of, of women in abortion situations that I, I do think of them as victimized. Oh, yeah. There's... Yeah. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of the other stories where I mean Chelsea Handler just goes on TV and says she's gotten half her career because of her four abortions and she's proud mm-hmm. and she's happy and she'll joke about it and celebrate. If that's a very different thing than the twenty year old who's 
never had a dad around, and her mom has basically disowned her, and she's trying to live on her own and got pregnant and didn't mean to and, and just feels in a total panic. Yeah. And is being pressured by all of her friends and the culture around her says it's not a big deal, and she has the $400. Or, or the woman who has, and, and I've known women who have gone through this, I'm sure you have too, who have been raped mm-hmm. and went through right. an abortion. Uh, and we would, we would absolutely say, yes, that was sinful and that was wrong, but there's still grace for that. Amen. That doesn't negate forgiveness. Yeah. Right. So there's, and, and like you said, particularly in a culture that's seared so many consciences. Now, the, the women that I've known who have gone through that, uh, their consciences still bother them mm. and they need to be reminded sometimes, no, there is grace for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they're repentant. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It, it's not like they're shouting about it. Yeah, that's a, um, I feel for those, for those, I do feel for those women. I, because we have, and not, not saying it's not for good reason, we have made abortion a super sin. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is, it is the super sin. And so more, probably more than other sins, they struggle with recognizing Calvary paid for that. Yeah. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's you, you, the magnitude of Calvary overcomes my guilt of abortion. And so, so I, I wouldn't have a it's it's the uh, the unintended consequence of pushing against the cultural sacrament. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good point. It's the um the old C.S. Lewis line. Uh, I don't remember it uh, verbatim, but but basically, if you if you're not talking about the place where the culture is most attacking your king, yep. you're not defending your king. No, absolutely. And the the culture is most offending is most going after the kingdom of Jesus on its sexual ethic. Yep. And the really the product of sexuality, children. Mm-hmm. And so, if just coming over here and talking about other stuff is not truly defending the kingdom, because the the enemies of the kingdom are celebrating abortion and uh, and perverse sexualities. Yes. Okay. Criminal. What do you else do you have on criminal justice? I was gonna. Oh man, I had a segue, and it was gonna be so good. You, the broadcaster. <laughs> so, in terms of actually correcting those mistakes. So we've talked about justice, meeting out punishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see who, where you're going. Who actually does the corrections, so, which is where the prison system comes in because it is often called the Department of Corrections or a penitentiary, which comes from the root word of penitent. Right. Who actually should be providing correction and penitence is the church. That's not the state's job. So that's that's a new sentence to me. So in the three realms of authority, state, church, family. Yep. When someone steals something from another, assaults them, hurts their property, mm-hmm. you th- am I to say that the church is the enforcement mechanism? No. No. So in terms of church discipline, you know, maybe yeah. excommunicating somebody if they're not repentant, yes. Okay. Uh, but biblically... What I see over and over again is the victim is to be made whole. So if if I steal something from you, I would owe you the value of that thing plus a percentage. And, and I don't recall the exact references for all of this, but it would be, I think it's like 20% if it's something that's not crucial to your livelihood. Okay. And it may be 50 or 100% if it is crucial to your livelihood. Okay. So if... Uh, <laughs> just to just to be dumb about it, if you come and steal my soldering iron, you would owe me the soldering iron plus the value of the soldering iron on top of that. Yes. So basically, you, two soldering irons. You use it for your living. Yes. Yeah. And, and I need that thing. Now, obviously, it's a soldering iron. It's like fifty bucks for a decent <laughs> one. It's not the biggest deal in the world. But you know, if you start talking about uh, maybe a uh, a landscaper and you steal his three thousand dollar John Deere mower. Yeah. That's a much bigger deal. That's a much bigger expense. You damage the Uber driver's car in a way that he can't drive it. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so uh, when you're talking about our current system, it's you pay a fine to who? The government? That is weird. And then they go to prison, maybe. Poss- probably, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and you are forcibly paying for their livelihood at that while point. they're in prison while they're in prison like it just doesn't make any sense nothing restorative about that at all not at all yeah. like if if anything it it damages the person the victim even more even more there there's the then the argument 
for something something that we got uncomfortable with a few decades ago, which was the idea of working while in prison. Yes. Some folks called it forced labor. Yep. That's where the old uh, license plate thing was. Right? The mm-hmm. idea was you were making money mm-hmm. and you would restore the person you, you yep. hurt. Especially one of the more common ways men who wouldn't pay for their kids would provide funding to their children. Yeah. They'd go to prison and they'd make license plates and that money would go to yep. the mother of their children. Yep. That's something that I wouldn't mind. Like, if we're going to have a prison system, at least do that. Right. Or do something. Right. And that's where in, in Scripture, with that with that form of justice, if you can't afford to pay that back, then you work it off with the maximum being seven years. Right. That's right. You work You work for the person that you hurt, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I, I could... I could foresee some kind of quote-unquote prison system where people who can't afford to restore their victims are working things off. Yeah. Um, But I don't... This is where it starts to get hairy in in things like a modern economy because what do you do with someone like Bernie Madoff who built how many billions out of people? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's still better than him just... Living high on the hot, well, yeah. it's not high on the hot, but he's still getting three hots in a cup. Yeah, you liquidate everything he has. You make you make all the restitution you can. Yeah, and and put him away. And and he had a lot. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he did things with that money he stole. I I know we have to, we have to talk about the economic justice thing, but one just, another thing just occurred to me. This is now off the top of my head. So oh boy, let's go. <sighs> Thus far, we've talked about all right in a biblically informed criminal justice world, what punishments look like. And restitution. There, uh, I think I was thinking about the American prison system. Mm-hmm. And the American prison system is is occupied by a lot of people who possessed or distributed drugs. I actually had this on my notes. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. And so, did, and so the question becoming about is a uh, what? What about vic, quote victimless crimes? Mm-hmm. And is there such a thing? Do you have any thoughts on that immediately? Because I don't. I just thought of it. Like, oh, what do I do with a lot of people who are in prison for distributing drugs or just doing drugs? It's so tough because I think of who was the guy in New York uh, who was selling loose cigarettes and got killed Eric by a cop. Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Um, so things like <laughs> the old conservative trope of alcohol, tobacco, firearms should yeah. be a convenience store, not a government agency. <laughs> Yeah, it's more of a libertarian trope. Yeah, yes. yeah, but I absolutely buy into that. Yeah, you know. that uh, that department's now called alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. Oh, I did it's not, not realize ATF, that. It's the ATFE. Oh, that's that. Hmm. They've added a whole thing to it. Four letters is not nearly as cool as it's three. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could apply that to other things too. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I lost my train of thought. It was Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Uh, victimless crimes. Alcohol, tobacco, fire. Oh, yeah. And, and one other side note, the legal, if I recall correctly, the legal drinking age in the UK, provided that you are under the supervision of a parent, is five. My gosh. Which is normal for all of Europe. history. Yeah, oh, yeah. All of history. Sure. Not just Europe, but all of history until the United States in the 1800s because we had a bunch of people freak out about People being alcoholics, effectively. Interesting. Okay. I know uh, that. But anyway. Um, so, <laughs> oh, the tangents. So, drugs. Um, we would not be for Christians consuming things like cocaine. Amen. Uh, or particularly crack, meth, uh, various opiates, in order to get high. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you have a medical need... Uh, because like I've put two grade three sprains on my left ankle. Yeah. The last time I did it, they gave me, I think it was Oxycontin. Yeah. And that, <laughs> Oh boy. Oh man. The, you can, it, te- you can tell why people get addicted. Yeah. I can tell, uh, but even if I just wanted the itch to go away yeah. when I was coming off of it. And so I started alternating between that and ibuprofen, Good even though it hurt worse. So on that real quickly, when I had my wisdom teeth out, they gave me Lortab. Yeah. I took or to have the day after my teeth came out because I had some minor pain. Yeah. It was such a pleasant couple hours. <laughs> yeah. That I was, I, was, I was genuinely scared and never took one again. Yeah. It was such a, I've never felt so warm. <laughs> I wasn't even under a blanket. I was just, <laughs> what? 
is this it's wonderful? Just, just loved everybody, and I'm I, I I do remember even now the euphoria of it. Yeah, like I, I should never take one of these ever. I again. had none of that. Yeah, I had dreams about spiders and would wake up itching. Ooh, like, okay. it was it was literally the exact opposite. No, thank you. Uh, so I think. I think the Christian needs to be able to have some kind of conversation around marijuana. Uh, we do need to be honest that the THC levels in modern marijuana are, I don't remember the percentage, but significantly higher than what we had in the 60s right. with the hippies. Um, some kind of honest conversation about that. You know, uh, I could see, perhaps, and I have no intention of ever using it. So, um, just like I don't. I don't smoke at all, um, but I could see some kind of treating it like a cigar. Yeah. Um, assuming you're not getting just ridiculously high and stuff like that because of the biblical command against drunkenness. Right. <laughs> Legality? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, so, and one of the great things about these conversations is we don't have to know yet. We don't have to know. You know how far we are away from the world we're talking about? Uh, it's it's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's decades. We're, we're, we're just trying to get these thoughts out there and get yeah. people thinking about them. Yes. Um, one thing I think we, we also need to consider is the difference between possession and distribution. Yeah. And particularly distribution of the more deadly types of drugs. Things, fentanyl. Fentanyl okay, and, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Where maybe, uh, maybe we do treat those guys like murderers, uh, because those kinds of drugs are killing people. When you, I mean, I, we, I think we both love Breaking Bad, right? Oh yeah, it it is my favorite show of all time. I, I think it's my favorite because it's it's the gospel in negative format. Inverse. Yeah, human depravity. Yeah, Walter White killed people. Yeah. Absolutely. His, he he was either directly or indirectly responsible to the distribution of his of his meth. Yep. Killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have to have a whole lot of argument to say that yeah, you, you give those people the same thing you would with a murderer. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just killing them with a chemical instead of bullets, knives. I mean, you you don't have any problem convincing me that the people running the drug cartels throughout Latin America, mm -hmm. even though they probably all have actually killed people, yep. your enterprise is literally killing people mm -hmm. in and pretty when, large and, numbers. And when we go after these people, yeah. like uh, when when the ATFE <laughs> <laughs> uh, or um, what's the other one? DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency. Yes, that's what, what I was looking for. When the DEA cooperates with, say, the Mexican authorities, they go in guns blazing Yeah. when they invade these compounds. And, and good. And, yeah, and yes, absolutely. And then they take pictures <laughs> Like like they were on a safari. Yeah, I, I've seen those. <laughs> yeah, and good. Like I, that that's one of those things that should be displayed. Of this is what will happen to you. Like what we were talking about yes. earlier. This is what will happen if you do if you do these things. Uh, operate at your own risk mm -hmm. because the state has its own power and its responsibility. It, it, Romans thirteen. It has the power of the sword. Yes. I have a transitional topic. Unless you have anything else directly on criminal justice. No, go ahead. The transitional topic is this, because it goes also into economic justice. We just lived through um, what now feels like a lot of train derailments. I think we're just, they're all just getting coverage now. It's probably yeah, been happening the whole time. A, it, it's similar to, if you remember a couple of years ago, when everyone freaked out over certain uh, food processing plants right. catching on fire. Yes, I recall. And, quote, unquote, they mm -hmm. were trying to starve everybody. That's right. And all that kind of thing. And it was like, no, it's actually kind of on par for normal. what we normally have. It happens to be going to the and, news right and now. And just because it catches on fire doesn't mean that it burns down. It just yes. means there was a fire. There was a fire there. Uh, like my, my wife, uh, her job deals with um, organic chemicals and that kind of thing. So she's dealing with these massive uh, factories and plants and whatever and, you know, she gets reports of fires relatively regularly. Well, it's chemicals. <laughs> yeah, it's chemicals. We're dealing with processed foods. <laughs> yeah. Lots of chemicals. Yeah. yeah well, some small or, fires. Or stuff. dealing with anything material. It's all chemicals. I remember that those, that spate of stories and even trying to debunk it on my own show. Like, hey, there's not a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. the, the ominous day is not trying to starve you. <laughs> um, so, train derailments. In East Palestine, I, I'm not saying it that way. East Palestine, Ohio. I'm the, so glad you're not saying it the way they phonics, say it. It's guys, okay? I don't care what the locals say. Yeah. It's East Palestine. Though I, though I will fight anyone over Augustine of Hippo. I will not say Augustine. It's Augustine? Well, that's what I say. Okay, I don't, I don't know if the phonics would 
be at the time. I, yeah. yeah. I think I it's t- technically Augustine, but... Tangent. Anyway. Um, let's just ask the people World. who live in Florida. Uh, St. Augustine, Florida. All right. So, East Palestine. They ruin the water in the ground, uh, and they ruin the uh, the air in some ways. Mm-hmm. What is... In, in a biblical world where that happens, what is the consequence on a company that affects a bunch of people's lives by their negligence? I think it would be similar to what we were talking about earlier with with theft and property damage and whatnot. They would be responsible for medical bills and restitution and covering property damages and and then some for their troubles. I actually went to the passage in Deuteronomy. Maybe I'm using this wrongly, and I I don't want to be. It's Bible. I Mm -hmm. always want to use it properly. Yep. But just the concept of, hey, if you're digging a hole or digging a well and you don't fill it back in or you don't like put a warning out and then yep. someone's animal falls into it. That's on you. It's, you have to pay for the animal yep. because they use their animal for stuff. So if you are, I think similarly, if you operate a train and you don't do the right things to secure it and you ruin a bunch of people's stuff, you got to make it right. Yep. That's a, that's a Bible and, thing. And how much more would that one regulation do than you have to have? This material making up your axles, and you have to have this sort of weight distribution, uh-huh. and you have to have this kind of engine that burns this amount of fuel. If you just leave it at, if you cause damage, it's on you, I'm going to be a lot more careful. This is I'm taking it to another topic, but it's similar. This is why it is such a moral hazard to continue to bail out banks. Yes. If you, What we've said to all the banks now is even the medium-sized ones, by bailing out uh, Silicon Valley Bank and yes. Signature Bank, these medium-sized banks. And by bailout, I mean by making sure all of the depositors are made whole, even if the investors aren't. We have said to banks, you can make dumb risks. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and do it. In the end, you might lose some stuff, but it's not going to really wreck anything. We're always going to come in and save you. Yep. So continue to take terrible risks. Yep. Same thing with, if you let the market work and say you're going to be responsible for your actions. And then, when your actions mess people up, you let them suffer. Yep. Let the bank fall. Let the train company fall. Mm-hmm. All the rest. Of, it's almost like again public, public punishments. Yep. People, the other train companies go. I don't. I don't want to be wrecked like that. Hey guys, what are we doing with our brake system? Yep. What, what safety precautions can we put on? And if banks start seeing other banks fail, they get in the boardroom and go, guys, oh, how risky are we right now in our portfolio? What's our deposit to expenditure ratio? <laughs> let. Let people suffer the consequences of their actions. Yep. You're going to have uh, a, a better place. Which which may end up in slightly less overall wealth in terms of goods and just hard currency. Uh, but that's okay. Agreed. We're not here just to create wealth. Yeah. Even that's... Uh, Don't tell Joel Osteen. Oh, ooh, shots fired. That w- I would call that... An Osteen distortion. Yes, you can acquire an, Orst- an that, Osteen distortion version too at WestminsterFX.com. That reference brought to you by Westminster Effects. <laughs> Get your Osteen, Osteen distortion. Uh, okay, so that, so that was transitional criminal justice to uh, economic justice. That makes people people like me uncomfortable. Me too. Hate the hate the term social justice because of what it's become to mean. Mm-hmm. In its original form, it was it was fine, but it's come to mean some really crazy things. Yep. I'm starting to recognize, I, I know I personally am to have some, not some, I'm supposed to have compassion for the deserving poor. Yeah. And where I, I see, or where I see a, a way in which I can personally help, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do, I'm, no, I'm, I'm supposed to do more of that right now in my own life. I've got some thoughts about that moving forward. And then I read the law. There's a lot in that law about the poor. Yeah. It's a ton. I mean, my entire favorite book of the Bible, Ruth, has one of its premises being, it's, it's main, uh, one of the cruxes of the storyline, is that a wealthy man is commanded, leave some in the corners. Yep. You don't get, you don't get, this is a hard thing for me to say, mm-hmm. you the businessman, you don't get all the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. You don't own all the fruits of your labor. The Lord does, and he's commanding you to leave some for everybody else. Sidetrack. Please. It does disappoint me to hear two episodes in a row that you're not truly reformed and that you don't listen to Al Mohler every day. I don't. And that your favorite book of the Bible isn't Romans. It's not Romans. Romans is <laughs> Listen, when, when, when Peter said, when Peter said, 
that some of the stuff that Paul writes is confusing. Yeah. He's talking about most of Romans. A lot of Romans is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and especially because... Oh, and an 11? Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, again, a tangent. I know, but my, <laughs> my reform credentials diminish because I don't listen to Moeller. And I just love... I love Ruth. It's about as sweet as can be. It is. A sweet story. And so I think, all right, when in a biblical world... So we've talked about a biblical world and criminal justice, what a biblical world would look like. All right, what's an economic system look like you had a guy on your show that had a great interview he had a good book on some biblical economics mm-hmm. but when it comes to the poor i'll give you just one example i talked about it on the cory truax show recently something that i've seen there's big corporations and banks are buying up houses in markets like crazy mm-hmm. so they go into a neighborhood and buy 25 homes that are all being built because as the bond market becomes less lucrative, now it's becoming more lucrative, but it was very low interest rates, so very, it wasn't lucrative. Mm-hmm. Tech, tech stocks were falling apart. Money, money goes to where the, the, the money is, and property, housing is where the money was. And so as they buy up houses, it drives up the cost artificially because it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not people buying houses. Companies are buying homes, personal homes. And so I think about even people in my own church, my own life, I won't name, that aren't currently homeowners but want to be and can't get into the market. I think about how home ownership has been the fundamental wealth creation for American middle class for generations. Mm-hmm. It's how you get from the lower middle to the upper middle is own yeah. a home for 30, 40. Guys, th- I mean, this This used to be actually the nest egg thing. You bought a house around 25. You stay in your house to your 65. The 40 years of appreciation, yeah. you have a giant retirement fund mm-hmm. to, to just go into retirement on because of housing. And so I, get, I start to... Something in my soul goes, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're not talking about is, uh, say, a contracting company uh, finds a chunk of land, buys it, and develops it. No, I'm not. Uh, you're not talking about something like there's this dilapidated 100-year-old house and some maybe around it where, uh, again, a developer can come in, bulldoze those houses because they are falling apart and not fit to be lived in and they're beyond repair Correct. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Perfectly good houses, basically bought in bulk. They're doing it. They are doing it in bulk. Yeah. The Atlanta, Con- Atlanta Journal Constitution found that uh, on portfolios of people that own at least twenty five home or companies that own at least twenty five homes, it added up to sixty five thousand properties in the, the metro Atlanta area. Huh. That drives prices up like mad. Listen, I'm yeah. going to talk about my own hypocrisy here. I didn't know who bought my house last year. I ended up finding out it's one of those companies. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to put my house up on the market for a hundred grand more than I paid for it 10 years before or 15 years before full cash offer in 48 in like 48 hours. Well, the, the, I, I was able to get a house at 23 and build wealth because companies weren't doing that. Right. And now I'm, I'm thinking about my nephews and uh, Caleb and Kobe want to buy a house. I think about people in my life that want to buy a house and can't get in. And it's the fundamental way to build wealth. Companies, I think banks are, I think pushing people out and then it starts to make push, pushing people out of the market. And then that thought comes in. I think you guys are not following the law of gleaning. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think yeah. you, you've gleaned so much that you need to leave the corners. Yeah. In the corners of the field, man, let, let somebody else in there. But that feels so wrong to me. Be- because we're free market guys. Yes. However, is that behavior that they're engaging in actually free market behavior? Mm. And I don't know that it is. Because it feels like free market behavior. Because the only only reason I think it would not be is the market for housing is supposed to be developers to buyer or owner to buyer. Mm-hmm. And they've added a third category yep. of giant conglomerate corporation with billions of dollars. Yep. And, and we are not opposed to uh, landlords. Mm-hmm. We're not opposed to apartments no. and, and things like that. Uh, because if you own things, you can do with them as you please. Yes. So you can rent them out, you can sell them again, or you can hold on to them. That really is pretty much the only three things that you can do with them. Yes. Uh, but in ter- you're speaking in regards to conglomerations, buying bulk, and then really just making hay off of the fact that we have a housing shortage yes. in the United States. Yeah. It feels it feels predatory. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if I'm being anti-free market by saying that or not, I'm also willing to say this. 
I think the free market is the most biblical. I mean, I don't even think. The free market is the most biblical economic system humans have devised. Mm-hmm. But is it, is it the? Is there anything about the free market mm-hmm. that's unbiblical? Mm. In that you, you, because the, saying to a, a landowner, you, you are not the owner right. of all of your stuff. You will leave the corners for, for others. Now, they got to work. They don't get welfare. They got to come and glean mm-hmm. it themselves. I don't know. I don't know that a, a biblically, a totally biblically informed economic system is a free market system. It's right. a, I think it's a mostly right free market right. system. Yeah, because we, obviously we would not advocate for any kind of socialism no. of the state owning everything, anything like that. That's nonsense. Uh, we're still advocating for small government. It would really just be the state saying, "No, we're not going to do it this way." It, it, you could almost correlate it. Maybe I'm off here. You could almost correlate it to blue laws. Hmm. Is we're this is how our society is going to be structured, organized this way, right? Yeah, I can uh, because I love the free market. I feel like a traitor to it. Yeah, talking, talking like this. Yeah, but I th- then I but I'm not I'm not first a free marketer. I got to be first a Bible guy. Mm-hmm. And so I I got to be willing if I, if I am willing to say. You know, in the Bible, they're really prisons aren't a thing, and the criminal justice system needs to move towards that. If I also then see the economic system of the Bible says that there there are some limits on how much wealth you can accumulate, if the way you're accumulating wealth is to the detriment of the mm-hmm. poor, right? I could put a limit on you. The difference between us and uh, maybe whatever district attorney in Los Angeles being. We're saying prisons aren't a thing biblically because there's actual penalties yes. for actions. Yeah. Where they're saying, no, empty out the prisons because, quote-unquote, equity. Yes, and, and for that and that reason alone. Now, we actually want to see punishments that, again, are restorative and um, and punitive. So, that's what, on economic justice, I mean, I should, again, I already said, free markets are the, the, most, the most biblical economic system humans have devised, but I am willing to hear... It's like some of the stuff the reformers did. The reformers recognized the widow actually can't work. Like she's a woman in this culture. She can't take care of herself. Mm-hmm. And so there's a safety net for her. The The orphan, absolutely, children can't care for themselves. Someone has to. And so I, I, got, I got to have space for funding of those mechanisms. I mean, there's a question about whether that's a church realm or if that's a government realm, caring for those mm-hmm. In any event, that's what I've I've come to on, on on some of the economic justice. Not it's just being willing to not be fully free market. So I have I have a an idea connected to that, also connected to your most recent show. Okay. Um. So I did a year or not a year. <laughs> that would have killed me. Um. So we graduated in '08. I think you graduated in '08. Yeah. I, I graduated in '09. Okay, one year after. Not a good time to graduate from college. Into the Great Recession. And particularly with a journalism degree, it was not friendly to me for Ooh. a while. <laughs> because the year I graduated, I think the New York Times parent company laid off four figures worth of people. It was it was bloodbath. Um, still is, honestly, in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, and so, lo and behold, I did not get a journalism job. And uh, I got out of a sandwich-making job for one week at Title Max. So title loans, and I saw a guy come in, pay his bill, and then go outside and do a line of cocaine off of the hood of his car. Wow. It was rough. Wow. Uh, and they they tried to prop it up as this thing that really helped people, and really they were just taking advantage of people. Checking the cash, like payday loan places? Practically. That's what that title max is? Well, it's, it's you use your car's title – as collateral for your loan. For a loan. And then they give you whatever amount based on the value of your vehicle, and then they charge you an exorbitant interest rate. So interest is actually and, covered in the Bible. Right. And yeah. and really, if we're being honest, title loan places are not so much about loans as they are about vehicle repossessions. That's the real business. That's the real business because they'll repossess it and then flip it at auction. Got it. Uh, so... I think I was 23, 24, uh, something like that. And 
I'm sitting there, you know, bothered by what I've seen, and I'll be uncensored briefly <laughs> because because it's mild. So cover cover young ears. I <laughs> I, I was prompted read Habakkuk. Yes. And I said, who the hell reads Habakkuk? <laughs> Yeah, well, accurate. Who does? Accurate. Who does? But in the middle of chapter two, it goes in about people who take advantage of people in this way with with credit and debt and all that kind of stuff. And I was super convicted, and I quit the next day. Good for you, man. And uh, and you know, I didn't really have actual law at the time, but. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, 6, no one shall take a mill or an upper millstone in pledge for that would be taking a life in pledge. Mm. Taking a life in pledge, meaning that's literally how they eat. Yeah. Because the millstone grinds the grain, turn that into bread. Bread, obviously, you eat the bread and you survive because it was more of an agrarian society at the time. Now, I think that would apply general equity to things like title loans. Great idea. Yeah. And point. because they are legitimately predatory, predatory and all they do is it's, it's basically legalized theft of mm. vehicles of poor people, of people who are having a legitimately hard time, don't really have anywhere else to go. And so they say, okay, I guess I got to put my car up as collateral. Yeah. And that's, it's just always struck me as super messed up. And I was significantly more libertarian then, yeah. as were you. Yes. And I struggled with that. I was like, this shouldn't be legal. But my free market, my my hard free market yes. tendencies tell me I have to just let people make stupid decisions. But sometimes you do have to protect people from other people. And even right now, I'm almost 40. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah. But yeah. because it's so in- deeply ingrained in me, yep. the free market is good, and it is. Yes. The free market is good. It is fantastic. There are predatory actions in free markets. Uh, uh, go to uh, Amos, maybe a couple others, where you're going to get the un, uh, the une- not un- uneven scales, but the un- like falsely weighed scales. Yes. It was one of the methods you would use a scale that, was, that would give false results so that you could take advantage of the poor. That's, t- again, not free market. That's cheating. It's, that's, right. it, it was a violation of the free market. But your, possibly, your place of, not power or privilege, because that starts sounding like critical theory stuff, but your place of knowledge, maybe? Mm. You, ha- you have an advantage over the poor, and you specifically use your advantage not to go make money any other way. You actually look at the poor and mm-hmm. say, I'm going to make my money off of you. Yeah. I'm going to come up with a way to do that. And not not in a way, because capitalism, the free market, whatever you want to call it, you make money off of serving people. Yes. And and when you do that, you're, ex- you're exploiting people. You're using them to your own advantage as opposed to meeting a need and them, them using certificates of appreciation that we call dollars. Yeah. And saying, I appreciate that here. Take this. It's it's why the free market has been the most biblical system. The man has, a, has mm-hmm. advised. We found a way to to use man's selfishness for the betterment of humanity. Yes, we all want our our own name and renown and money. Well, you know the best way to do it: solve everyone's problems. Mm-hmm. If they're cold, find a way to make them warm. Yep. If they're hungry, keep them fed. If they have crappy guitar tone. Find a way to give them better guitar tone. You're going to yes, you're going to make some money if you'll do that. Here, here's here's a a pretty hilarious free market thing uh, that only guitar gearheads really know about right now. So there's a company called JHS Pedals. It was started uh, by a guy named Josh H. Scott, JHS. Uh, was it 15 years ago or so in his garage, originally just modifying other pedals turns into a line, and now it's a multi-million dollar company. Wow. And he has an enormous YouTube presence. So much so that he he actually doesn't often talk about his own products on the YouTube channel. He's collected practically every pedal on the planet. Wow. I'll show you pictures later. It's, it's just, it's mind-blowing how many pedals he has in this studio. Um, everything from your $20 knockoffs to uh pedals that go for three thousand dollars on the used market and whenever he mentions something it goes ballistic on the used market so just this week he he talks about 
uh, this overdrive pedal called the Digitech Bad Monkey Tube Overdrive. Okay. It went for like $50 brand new when they made it. And now that he's mentioned it and did, did a, a show on it, on the used market, there are people listing that thing for $600. That's incredible. <laughs> the power of media promotion. Yes. So that, Anyway, that was just a hilarious thing that I've witnessed recently. The, admittedly, uh, we have covered everything I walked in the door with. Did you come in with anything else that you think we should discuss? I think there's one, since we talked about economic justice, touching briefly on the wokeness, critical theory... Mm-hmm privilege thing since we we kind of brushed by I, I did, it I did, I did do that yeah um there's a right knee-jerk reaction that we have i think when people say you know your ancestors oppressed my ancestors well i didn't do that right and if you go back far enough my ancestors were oppressed by somebody and i and i have i think i'm you know a whopping one sixteenth Cherokee. Okay. But that does mean that I have some ancestor somewhere back there who yeah. was oppressed legitimately. Um, and, but even being a pasty white guy, <laughs> uh, probably the Romans. I don't know. <laughs> hey, go, go back that far. Go back that far. Somebody was oppressed. Um, I think it's important to look at uh, what was it? Deuteronomy 24 again. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. It's, it's really important to, yes. to, in the restorative justice model is, have you actually been wronged by somebody? Yes. Now, in terms of the systemic racism and stuff, yes, we did have Jim Crow, mm-hmm. and that was a wrong thing that has been rectified, as far as I'm aware. But if there's not a victim to be restored, what are we talking about? Yeah, there's, because there's... I'm not going to just continue to apologize to people my ancestors may or may not have oppressed. And for the record, I don't think I have any slave owners in my past. I do have a great, great, great something or other grandfather who was conscripted into the Confederate Army. Wow. And then all of the records show him either... Uh, either MIA <laughs> uh, or AWOL rather, or in the infirmary <laughs> for all of the battles his regiment was involved in. Paul so, shucks. He so, missed the action. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was apparently not down with that. Um, but what are we really talking about here? Yeah, you're, again, living in a biblical world, you can only punish someone for what they did, yeah. not what their parents did. Uh, a guy named Drew McKissick is a professor at Baylor University, uh, has a book out right now like, having trouble remembering the title, um, but I think he gives a biblical middle ground between what he calls the, the, the critical theory, critical race theory, mm-hmm. um, that says every inequity is racism. Right. That right. Anything, that's not, anything that's not the same, that every inequality is because of racism. B- because, you know, God forbid we have differences in cultures between people groups. Yeah, or, or different outcomes. Or different outcomes or any... or cultures that affect outcomes or right. whatever for good or ill. Right. So they're on the critical race theory side. And then he, what he called color blindness, people that just say, well, race doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. He gets a good middle ground that says, for example, what you're talking about, we acknowledge that we'll take home ownership. Home ownership was one of the ways that we built wealth forever. So white families got to build a bunch of wealth by buying homes. Mm-hmm. And for years, the United States government told black families, you don't get to do that. You don't right. get to build wealth. By and, and specifically, governmental action yes, did that. governments did that. And so, we now have an inequity. It's very real. Mm-hmm. That you're more likely to be in poverty if you're black than if you're white, primarily because white families got to build wealth. Mm-hmm. We acknowledge that right now. The difference in modern day is because of the thing that happened in the past. Now, while we acknowledge it, I'm not guilty of it. Right. I didn't do it. I mean, I, I want to do something to change this over time. I want mm-hmm. the uh, economic equality. I want I, I want to see those things rectified. But I'm, in 2023, or 1986 when I was born, I'm not responsible mm-hmm. for the redlining. I didn't do that. Right. But I acknowledge its effect yes. in 2023. That's yes. your healthy biblical middle ground. Yeah, and I, I think even, uh, I don't want to cross salvific in, uh, in political streams, but 
God said the effects of someone's sin will be felt through the third and fourth generations. But for those who obey him, those blessings last, what was it? A thousand generations. Like it's, it's going to be a long time. And and so if, if we enact acting like this, there is blessing. If this isn't some kind of prosperity gospel kind of thing, that's not where we're headed. But, uh, to the point of there being poor people to take care of and how much the law addresses it. Jesus, when he, when he said, I think it was to Judas, you'll always have the poor with you. Right. He was quoting the law and saying, you're actually not following the law because the law says, if you do all these things, you won't have any poor people among you because as in destitute people, not needy people, but people who are just like done in the street kind of thing. And, we see the homelessness problem in certain areas of the country. And I think, well, maybe if we tried following the law a little bit, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, I think it's a great point. So, Mr. Fields, I, guess, I think I've run out of things to say. I think I have to, which is a rarity for us. That's good. That's actually healthy. We, so <laughs> we got it all out. If we, if we do this a third time, I know one thing I do want to learn more about before I talk about it is I want to talk about a year of Jubilee. What it, oh, interesting. What yeah. it is, what it isn't, and if we got to a more biblical world, what that, I think you called it the principle of equity. Like, what does it mean now, or what, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. I think I want to at least do that, and I'll come up with some others. But next time we do this, I want to talk about the year of Jubilee. I, yeah, that's really interesting. I haven't thought a whole lot about that one. Not a ton. I've only started so, uh, doing some work so, on it myself. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting exercise, and I'll think of something, and I'll text it to you. Cool. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Yes, sir. All this will be on uh, the Court Direct Show feed and the Westminster Doxology feed as well? Yes. And uh, this is me encouraging you. Listen to that show. Is all, when's the next episode? Of the Westminster Effects yeah. Doxology podcast? Uh, probably next week. We didn't record this week. I was going to wonder because it hasn't showed up in my feed. Yeah, scheduling yeah. Uh, scheduling was a little wonky this week. But uh, yeah, normally on Thursdays is when that drops. And when does your show drop? Usually Tuesday evenings. Um, but uh, the last episode's coming up. Last The last radio episode on the last Saturday of this month. And so mm-hmm. after that, I'm not... You can do whatever you want. Because I have a deadline. WHRT had a deadline. You yeah. have to have your show in by this time. So we'll find out how, what my show looks like in the future. Mm. Good times. Good times. Um, what else? Was I, oh, yeah. For those who are following me on on my podcast feed, I don't know what you're titling these, but I've, I've made a decision to have oblique Monty Python references as my titles. So this one will be called Come See the Violence Inherent in the System. <laughs> okay, I'll do something similar, maybe. <laughs> So I suppose we'll see you in a little bit then. Yeah. Thanks, man.